This is Peter. And this is Tom. And you're listening to History Teachers Talking Podcasts. All right, this is Peter Zablocki and Thomas Reska, and welcome back to the podcast. Tommy, I'm going to come back to our usual. I'm going to ask you to reveal our episode. Pause. I'm just saying, oh. there's always a title to these. It's not like we're revealing it. Yeah, I was just going to say, it's not really a reveal because if you just click on it, click it says on it before it. you can do it. You click <laughs> okay, on it what and you got? look at it. What do you got? Anyway. Anyway, all right, today we're going to be looking at Alexander III of, Mastod- of Mastodon, otherwise known as Alexander the Great, which, you know, he basically changed the nature of the ancient world in about a decade, a little yes. more than a decade. So he's like, we've always said we want to do a little bit more world history once in a while on this. So who, you know, as far as who influenced a lot of the ancient world history, it's Alexander the Great. So we figured might as well, uh, he's, he's as good as person as I need to divulge into. Everyone's heard of him. I'll uh, separate a little bit of the fact from some of the myth here. We'll talk about him. And, um, talk about yeah, his death. All, we'll talk about like the, his death, know. his life, some of the things he did. Yeah. Because he was only alive, what, like 25 years? A short amount of time, 30, 30 years. I thought he was 30, 32. He died 30, 32, 32. He was king of everything by 25. I think yeah. that's what it was. You yeah, know, he literally like, conquered oh, most of the known world <laughs> by yeah, the time much. he was 30. Pretty much. That's and I always crazy. remember Alexander the Great from, um, you remember G.I. Joe? Didn't they like use his DNA to like make Serpentor? That's what I remember from that. Are you serious? I, I didn't remember that. Yeah, they take like oh, all the great like leaders and then they took Sergeant Slaughter also. Nah. That's kind of cool. That's what makes Serpentor. When I think of Alexander the Great, I think of three things. First thing I think about is the really, really bad movie that needed like four director cuts with uh, uh, Colin, Farrell. Colin Farrell. Yeah, yeah. that's kind of an odd. That movie. didn't quite work out for them. Uh, second thing I think about is our common best friend who is from Macedonia. But which not is Macedonia. A, exactly. But not this Macedonia, which is actually, well, that's the contended. The contention that's thing. the contended part. Yeah. Like with the statues and all that other stuff. Right. But they had to I give also, that up. Yeah. And well, I think we'll talk about it. We need to talk about that today. And yeah. also uh, a little shout out to my student, Nick, who is also a Macedonian. And him and I have a lot of very insightful conversations about whether Alexander the Great is from Macedonia. And if so, which Macedonia? And therefore, what is Macedonia? So let's just get right to our podcast. It's a whole bunch of done, right? Well, Alexander, he was born in Pella, right? The ancient capital of Macedonia in July of 356 BC. He was the son of King Philip II of Macedon and his wife, uh, Olympias. Mm-hmm. And he was, you know, everyone knows this. He was educated by by Aristotle. Um, so he was known for that. Uh, Philip actually conquers Greece, right? Philip II conquers Greece. And then Philip later on is actually assassinated in 336 BC. And then Alexander inherits the empire, and it was really powerful, but it was also very volatile. There was um, a lot of infighting and stuff like that. And he dealt with his enemies at home uh, pretty quickly and uh, mercilessly yeah. and um, reasserted that Macedonian power within Greece. They just like, listen, this, you know, because just because my father's dead and he was a young king doesn't mean that, you know, he's going to let the empire fall apart. And then yeah. he went out to, after he conquers, after he kind of reasserts his power in Macedonia and in Greece, then he's like, all right, now I'm going to go conquer the, the Persian Empire at this point. Which takes him a while. Takes him a while. Well, Persia's huge. It's, it's not yeah. like, you know, it's, it is going to take him a while. That's just what it was. But, um, well, you touched upon a lot of interesting things here. Yeah, I just I got mean, that's kind of just like a beginning of it. There's a lot to me, it. Yeah. If he was good or he was bad, because a lot of people, when I was doing research, it says that, you know, he was. Good and bad. You know, he was bad in the sense that his legacy was the end of the Macedonian Empire that Philip and Alexander took so hard to build. But yet his legacy was also like a um, big for the Mediterranean world and for Greece because those regions were plunged into 
warfare for like 40 years after he died, which we'll get to. Yep. Um, I mean, the first thing kind of just to really touch upon and maybe expand upon is the fact that at the age of 13, his father, King Philip, gets him a tutor who, yeah. like, we and, skipped and through Aristotle. This. I mean, Aristotle, Aristotle, like yeah. the Aristotle. Like, that's his, his tutor. tutor. That's like having, like, like Einstein is like your math tutor. Yeah, literally. Like your personal tutor, yeah. basically. Yeah, yeah, basically. Which is insane. Also, his father, they said that the reason why his armies were so successful really stems from his father. His father's the one that... Well, he, yeah, they perfected the phalanx, right? That, that's what it was, the, right? The Greek phalanx, where they basically def- they perfected it. It's basically, if you know anything about like the military, I've seen a movie like 300 and stuff like that. It's like the shields. Each person protects the next person next to him with their shields. Mm-hmm. And if they're doing it purposely and um, they just perfected it, they had like longer spears and... Um, that's what it was. Metals. You keep the you keep the enemies yeah. away with the long spears. Yeah, it's what that's, it was. A lot of these battles, you just it was like it was like a pushing fight almost until one side broke, but the Macedonian phalanx basically never broke, and that's where they were able to just push their way through, conquer their way through. Yep, and that's like you said, that's that's something that his father Philip perfected, and therefore, kind of Philip's reforms is what left Alexander with basically the best army at the time of his succession. And you also mentioned quickly that Philip was assassinated. Philip was actually assassinated by one of his bodyguards. Um, there was a party going on, and Philip was stepping out, and they purposely didn't have his bodyguards too close to him because there was a lot of different uh, dignitaries there and whatnot, and Philip was supposed to kind of shake hands with them. And as Philip comes out, his one of his bodyguards runs up, stabs him in between the ribs, and then starts running away, and then he eventually trips because supposedly there was like a horse waiting for him on the, like, on the side there, but he never made it. He trips and the other bodyguards jump him and basically stab him to death. And at that point, um, you have Alexander the Great, you know, becomes the the leader. And Alexander the Great is really young at this time. I mean, there's a few things going against him. One, he's he's like 20. And also, he was only half Macedonian. And we should also, because his mom was too, not, right? Yeah, there's a lot of debate that maybe the mom. Um, poisoned the father. Poisoned or, or not poisoned, him, but or, paid. Hey, he kind of yeah, yeah, wanted that to happen so that Alexander could become king. Yep, and that's also kind of played up a lot in that movie with uh, Colin Farrell. So yeah, his his struggle was very bloody. Um, he's another one of Philip's wives, and her daughter were um, murdered along with other two Macedonian princes. So he had to put down a lot of these like rebellious factions because he was only half Macedonian technically. Yep. So um, to to become the ruler of Macedonia. So let's get this out of the way. What's this Macedonia thing about? I mean, this is not the northern Macedonia, the nation we're talking about. The country today, yeah. This is not that, no. Okay. So if you look at maps, guys, Macedonia is a region um, of northern Greece. And it borders on a piece of land that gained its independence in 1991 from Yugoslavia, and this new country that was created in 1991 um, called itself the Republic of Macedonia. And very much from the very beginning, Greece was very upset about this because they believed that their region, which is actually below the nation of Macedonia, uh, which the Greeks also called Macedonia, where Alexander the Great kind of hails from, um, the Greeks from 1991 thought of this as like almost like offensive. Like, you can't take the name of our region and assume that Alexander the Great belongs to your new nation that was just created in 1991. However, people of Macedonia feel that Alexander the Great, through conquest, ultimately um, 
did take over the land where the nation of Macedonia is created. Therefore, they have as much claim to Alexander and the name Macedonia as much as Greece. And obviously, this was going back and forth since 1991 until very recently where Greece and the Republic of Macedonia struck a deal where they renamed um, the nation of Macedonia the uh, Republic of Northern Macedonia. And therefore, through that, Greece also promised that they're going to, um, what's the I'm looking for? I guess, endorse the Northern yeah, Macedonia yeah, yeah. in joining the European Union. However, a lot of people, actually, based on my my research, like 60 to 70% of Greeks don't agree with this because they don't yeah, believe that right. any form of name Macedonia should exist in any nation. And also, like, 70 to 80% of Northern Macedonians don't agree with the name change to Northern Macedonia. They like, and then they also had to give up claims to Alexander the Great. That yes. was another one of the things they have, they have to no longer say. That's why they call Northern Macedonia. That's like a distinction now, right now. That means that you are not, you're not laying claim to Alexander the Great, which previously they didn't. There was a lot of fighting. I remember um, reading articles and stories like people would go over to cross, go into Macedonia or go into Greece and like destroy the statues or steal the statues of Alexander yeah. the Great and bring them over to the other side and stuff like that. Like it's a real bone of contention. Like he's such a major, fat, major player, you know, in world history that like these countries, you know, he belong, he, we're, we're part of that heritage. No, we're part of that heritage. And they go at it. Like it's, it's a, it's not like, this is not something that they're just going to like agree to because a couple of countries say, say so. Yeah. I mean, they're literally arguing of who gets to the claim of basically claiming claim, yeah. Of Alexander, Alexander the Great. Yeah. Yeah. And Macedonia, the nation of Northern Macedonia, is very much has very much embraced since 1991, has embraced Alexander the Great. I mean, we're talking like well, that's statues their to, everywhere. Yeah, that's, that's their, their thing. They, well, they think there for two reasons. One, it became very popular. Two, they were doing that related to also, it was angering Greece and they knew that. So let's yeah. just pop up as many statues as we can of Alexander the Great. If we have enough statues, you know. We and that's are, not to say that Alexander the Great. Yeah, and it's not to say that Alexander the Great was not in the nation of no, Macedonia. No, yeah, 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 so it was. Yeah, he absolutely was. Yeah, yeah. It's just his ancient version of Macedonia is not the same as the modern day version of Macedonia. Yes, yeah, that, yeah. that's that's the big thing to kind of understand. Absolutely. So, all right. So, Alexander the Great becomes um, he is twenty, by the way, when he uh, succeeds his father, King Philip the second after the assassination. And basically he begins almost right away this military campaign. Um, and by the, as you mentioned, by the end of 30, he creates one of the largest empires in history that stretches from Greece through like Northwest India. So yeah, let's Greece, talk, India, which is huge. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about some of these, these conquests, I guess. Um, the biggest one, the most known um that we really know and everyone talks about is the Persian conquest, right? He defeats uh, Darius III, right? Yep. 333 BC. I said, yeah, and I had, I found 334 BC, but still 333, 34. I mean, yeah. isn't it crazy? We're talking about things that happened yeah, like, all these things. well over 2000 years ago. They said Alexander's army numbered fewer than 40,000 men. Yeah, he was um, always outnumbered, at least in these early battles. Yeah. Um, one thing that Alexander the Great did is after he defeated an army, he would basically give everyone the option of joining his army. Yep. So he's like, all right, you, you can join my army now, which is something that other rulers did. And so his army would actually get bigger after these battles a lot of times. Yep. If you survived, then you were allowed to join his army. And then you said, and that's how his army grew. Yeah. And that's how they grew. And he knew that's how, that's why he could just keep on this campaign for 15 years because he was always adding fresh troops. And his troops were very loyal to him. They, they loved them. 
You see, she also Tim Irving. Right, and the one thing that I read about is that as a because he was a military tactician, one hundred hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, very smart military. That's yeah. why he got the nickname the Great was because yeah. his military strategies. He would fight like larger numbers. Um, with like smaller in, groups, in, though, that was the thing I groups. saw. He would, yeah, he would find like the best battleground to fight them on and stuff like that. Yeah, he was a master. He was, yeah, he was a master tactician in, on the battlefield. They also he used said his advantages. that his force was very versatile, and he always kept them small. So even as his army grew, he always subdivided into smaller units, like full of cavalry and heavy armored foot, like foot soldiers. Um, and at, obviously, they always um, used the phalanx and spears and, and shields, but. It was always about smaller groups advancing relentlessly, basically uh, behind their shields into enemy yeah. lines. So they, they would keep split it. armies. Yeah. They would split armies yeah. all the time. These little forces would kind of go in, break armies in two and three, forcing yeah. the, the larger army to have to fight almost like on different fronts. Yeah, and these other armies weren't used to doing that. No. See, the phalanx could split up and then those individuals could fight as an individual phalanx. These yeah. other armies were used to fighting these big battles and these big formations. And when they got broken into smaller ones, they kind of like, it was almost like cutting the head off a snake. They weren't really sure what to do. And that's why they were able to get overwhelmed. Because Alexander, the whole time what they're doing it. So when there's confusion, he's pushing forward, pushing forward, pushing forward. And there's no way for them to really get their group and kind of like reorganize and figure out what to do. They get overwhelmed and that's it. And that strategy, you know, there's obviously variations of it, but that strategy worked for him for 15 years. He did not lose a battle. Yeah, He never lost a battle. Actually, I was going to say, we should bring that up. I mean, that's a, that's kind of a big deal, right? I mean, we glorify Washington. Washington didn't even win half of his battles. Yeah, if, Washington's if, made if, if that if, much. If that much. But like 15 years you don't lose, that's that's pretty impressive. Yeah. <laughs> no matter what it is. <laughs> you, can't, you, can't, you, know, you don't lose for 15 years, and not even Tom Brady did that. So, Right. They're saying that because of the fact that the guy never lost, his military tactics and strategies are still studied at West Point and at military academies throughout the world. To this day, the guy did this over 2,000 years ago. First victory was at the age of 18. Like, I think of our students. This guy is conquering, like, kingdoms at 18. Very a very much known reputation of just quick, like, Blitzkrieg, the beginning of Blitzkrieg, you know, like, leading men into battle, impressive speed. And allowing the smaller forces to reach and break the enemy lines before his enemy really knew what was going on. So after securing a kingdom in Greece, and then he crosses into Turkey, he wins a series of battles with the Persians, right, under Darius III. So as he continues, um, he then goes south towards Egypt, and he seizes strategic ports in Egypt. And this is interesting because when he gets there, he is kind of honored as this god king, very much like the pharaohs of the old. Pharaohs, yeah, because he conquers them, yeah. Right, and they kind of see him as this like this amazing, you know, god from the Mediterranean. He advances east into Mesopotamia. He can't and be then, stopped. No, he can't be stopped. No way. He goes over there. Then I think that's the main a, ones, right? The main one he does that. Yeah. So over the next eight years, he's basically the king, politician, commander, all those. Um, he leads his army further, another eleven thousand miles. He finds uh, names over seventy cities after himself doing all this. All right. That was another thing. And yep. Then, he yeah. loved that. Then, Every um, single so he place starts, he went. He named something. Yeah. Then he gets goes into India, right? Mm-hmm. And he wanted to link this vast internet, um, basically create this international network of trade and commerce. Um, and this was led by United Greek Language and Culture. Although Alexander did adopt a lot of Persian um, culture himself, um, he, he forced, adopts a lot of foreign, lot of foreign customs. He forced a lot of his commanding officers to marry uh, Persian yeah, women to legitimize himself in the Persian Empire. Yeah. Yeah. 
and he himself married a couple of Persian women as well, based on what I saw. Yeah, yeah, a bunch. Yeah. But not it's his like, not like his main love. His main love they actually. Major, he came... married them. They were they were political marriages. They were basically yeah. there so he could solidify his power and legitimize himself in the in the eyes of the people. So, yeah, I mean, you have as you mentioned seventy cities named after him. The most famous one, obviously, is Alexandria. Still today, um, in Africa, I mean, that's that was one of the more known ones. But his problem is the fact that as much as he's a military tactician, he's not necessarily a great leader in a sense because he didn't. Well, he's he's, he's very reckless. Is that what you're going yes. to say? Yeah, I was going to say reckless and also very arrogant, they said, reckless. But the fact is that his actual kingdom was growing way too fast and way too vast. Like there was no way. He had to start relying um, on locals to basically kind of – control his rule when he's he wasn't there like you said he like he conquered left someone in charge and kept on going conquered left in charge kept on going and what sort of happened is his empire basically stretches too thin around 10,000 bce families and tribes of the ancestors to the people of britain would arrive in the southern part of the island after crossing from land that bridged from europe the welsh built houses communities kingdoms and continued to survive through romans saxons danes and normans the language and culture influenced by these sources continued to change and thrive becoming ancient and modern at the same time join me as we travel through the history meeting the kings queens nobles and everyday people that create and grew modern wales from the seeds of the ancient past creoso and welcome to the welsh history podcast it's too big for really him to be able to control because he never stops he never stops expanding it, like we said. Nope. So like you said, he just keeps on getting bigger and bigger, but he's not stopping, I guess you want to say, what, smell the roses or whatever? Yeah. Or So he's just moving on and on and on. And yeah, it's too – no one's had empire this large before, and he no one can control something that size. Yeah. Especially um, during that time. Yep. His real love was, uh, was Roxana, um, and she uh, was – he actually met her – in modern day Afghanistan, she was the daughter of the chief, and he he marries her. She gets pregnant, but actually his son is born after Alexander the Great is dead, and this kind of is interesting as well because a lot of people, a lot of people, a lot of historians to this day are like, "Well, how did this guy die?" Oh, getting um, to his death already? Okay. Well, I mean, uh, what else you got? I mean, wow, what do you want? Do you want to get to the death? Let's get to the no. Death we don't have now. to get to the death. I mean, all I had was the fact that. Um, well, he fell in love with his wife, Roxanne. I knew that one. Um, there's a lot of weird facts about him. Yeah, I guess I we'll get to that afterwards. We can do yeah. some of the facts afterwards. But he right. was, like I said, he was reckless. A lot of times he was almost killed um, by um, like enemies. He was, there was one battle where he was almost killed by a Persian when then his friend came and basically chopped the guy's arm off right before he was about to kill Alexander. And that's the same friend that he got into a uh, – his name was uh, Cletus the Black. He actually got into a um, drunken argument with him at one day and threw a, threw a javelin through his chest. <laughs> so okay. the guy saved his life and then Alexander throws a javelin through your chest when he's drunk one night. But um, yeah, they said – and the worst one was he was actually pierced by a uh, arrow. Um, he got a, actually right through the, his lung at one point. And they're saying that kind of probably – this reckless behavior of these battle wounds probably led to his um, early death at just 32. Let's talk about this death because, I mean, we could always return back to, you know, all the – because there's so many facts about this guy that yeah. are interesting facts. Uh, the death does remain a mystery, though. May 29th, 323 B.C., um, he's apparently planning his next conquest, and Alexander Great goes to this dinner party. It's thrown by one of his, like, close friends. Well, this is after his army said so they don't want to fight anymore, right? Yes. Yep. So what was that – I forget what that was exactly. Um, there was a I battle. I remember. 
he wanted to just keep on going. And his um, basically his army mutant mutinies. They never lost, but they do mutiny against him uh, because they just don't want to fight anymore. And he does he does agree. He's like, all right, if they, you don't want to fight, I'm not going to force you. It's it's the only time that that happens. Um, so he does then. So that we're going to return home, and then shortly well, after that, that was in the Indian. That, that was that in the part. Indian revolt. That was yeah, in India, yeah. India, Indian campaign. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, after they defeated India. Um, and that's that was when they India. first time they were like, okay, we're, we're done with this. Um, and he did try to persuade him to like march further, but they were just like, yeah, they wanted to keep on going. Basically, after he, they fought against a king, King Porus, yeah, and um, Alexander was victorious, but it was a very costly battle, and he wanted to take his um army across the Bees River. But they kind of refused, and they demanded to turn back. They said, "We want to go home." And he and, kind of yeah. like, "Our like some debate." He was like, "All right, fine." And he's like, "Yeah, that, point, that river marked the easternmost extent of his entire conquest. Um, that was it." So exactly. So his army's done, and that's also kind of what adds to this conspiracy theory a little bit because yeah. now that it's done uh, getting conquered. Now he dies. Like it's like that's kind right of like at thirty-two. Pretty, pretty pretty convenient. And then, so they said it was after a long session of heavy drinking. He started to feel unwell and went to bed with like a rising fever. And then it takes 12 days later with like no strength left whatsoever. Um, he was proclaimed dead at, at the age of 32. And there was all this like, well, I mean, some people say that potentially he couldn't have been poisoned because it took over a week for he him to actually... He was better for a while, yeah. Yeah, they're like, well, if he was poisoned, then... Poison like, usually works a lot faster than that. Exactly, but then but he's, he's, he's Alexander the Great, though. Like he's just true. He's, he's too great for the poison. But also, did you know that um, there was an investigation done in New Zealand, uh, the New Zealand National Poison Center, and they looked at a plant that was um, very much native to the to the species, native species to, about this. Yeah, to yeah, the yeah. area where he was when he died. It was like Veratrum album or something. I think that's what it was known. And it was known in antiquity to be used as poison, and it very much prolonged the course of death. And it, it's very similar, based on what we know about his death and what he was suffering from, and the pains, the aches, and the fever, and all that stuff. Um, it is plausible that he was actually poisoned. Um, and this is this is a theory that came out in like two thousand three, so it's fairly new, but. It's possible. I mean, there's also the whole natural causes. Like maybe he just had malaria. Maybe it was typhoid fever. Was a, yeah, uh, fever, all his battle wounds, his alcoholism, fatigue. They said grief. Um, and then I even just, saw yeah. one that they thought Aristotle somehow had something to do with it and, and might have potentially some, you know, speculated that he had some connections with, with the family um, and he might have, really? like, wanted him dead. Yeah, I read that one. That was actually from well, the I read Aristotle wanted him dead, though. Where it's like the um, motive. Right. Oh, I'd have to really look into that. The premise, rather, here is that first there was one of his generals is kind of comes under suspicion, and well, yeah, there's always that rumor of they say Alexander, please name an empire, uh, please name an heir, right? At the and end, yeah, they're like say something, right? And supposedly he says, you know, um, they're like who's going to rule? And supposedly, like this kind of actually is legend, but it's pretty bad, badass if he did say it, as you know, so, um, he just said, you know, who's the Alexander? Who's going to rule? And he goes the strongest. Yeah. You know, so that kind of like, you know, he's basically saying, you fight it out. If you want my empire, you know, fight it out. And he did have a son, like you said, but his son was... Wasn't born yet. He wasn't even born yet, yeah. And it was agreed, actually. It was agreed upon that it was going to be Alexander's... Eventually, it, they said it was going to be Alexander's half-brother and his son, uh, newborn son, that would take over the empire. But by take then, over. as we mentioned before, there was it splintered because it was so vast. 
So that, all the generals just took a part of it. Started they fight, exactly. They started fighting for all different parts. Um, the one thing, too, is about his death. So he's proclaimed dead, um, but his body didn't begin to show sign of any form of decomposition for like full six days. And um, this is confirmed through many different Greek histories. But and at the time, the belief was, well, that's because this young Macedonian king was not ordinary man. He was like a god. But actually, today, 21st century clinical research suggests that he suffered from a neurological disorder, which caused his death. And they argue, um, these new scientists and medical journals argue that there was no signs of decomposition of the body because Alexander wasn't actually dead when he died. Like for those five days when he wasn't decomposing, he was in a near state of death, like neurologically, oh, okay. but he actually well, they know, but they, don't, they don't know where his body actually is today. They well, we don't know. know for sure. no, no idea. No idea. Which we'll get to that. Because they embalmed him in honey at first. Honey. Yeah. I thought that I was interesting. That. They embalmed him in honey. They kind of like slaughtered the king. So maybe, maybe, you know, he was still alive when he even did that. And then his, it used to be, you could actually go and see his, um, body. Um, yep. but it was eventually seized by some of those generals, right? Uh, Polythemy, uh, Polythemy. Yeah, yep. They took him to Egypt. It was eventually placed in Alexandria, and his tomb was in the central site for Alexandria for centuries. And then it kind of just like that's it. Is people would go and visit it, and then it, then it just like disappears, and it just disappears from history. And no one really knows where it is today. Then you know, it might not even be in Alexandria anymore. But it just it just vanished. It was basically like a spot where people would go, and then suddenly it's just gone. Yeah, no more, no more Alexander the Great's uh, grave site. He doesn't. Um, when I was a different, I know like Caesar. There's always that story about Julius Caesar. That he goes like a statue is in the great and starts weeping because he yep, knows he'll never have. That. He'll never have. And Caesar's much older at this point. But he knows he'll never reach the heights that uh, Alexander the Great did during his lifetime. Well, the body was in Alexandria in Egypt for quite a while. Uh, yeah. that's that's where they would visit it. What you're talking about, like that's that was the place. And then all of a sudden, around like fourth century AD, is when like literally just the tomb just vanished. Vanishes. Yeah, the, all records of it. Like I don't know if that they all there's just no more. They stopped talking about when I say they. Like you don't find any more records of the Alexander's tomb being mentioned at all. At all. Yeah. It's just um, it's gone. And and as we mentioned, the empire collapses into a civil war basically after his death. For forty years. Was, yeah, there was no clear air. It just like fragments into warring parties. Um, I'm kind of curious. I mean, I thought it was interesting that like, the whole honey thing where they submerged him in honey. Is that to, what like, you want preserve to preserve his body? You want, or you just want to do that now and just go in honey, see what happens? No, no. I mean, I don't. that's kind of weird, huh? <laughs> I don't like honey. I'm not a fan. I prefer like sugar in my tea. Yeah, some okay, people like the whole honey thing. I don't I don't know. You don't drink tea. Yeah, you do. You drink tea. Who are you kidding? A little bit. Not really. Yeah. Can't all be perfect. But. So what also happens here, interesting, is that his wife is murdered shortly thereafter. And so is his son. They actually Yeah, they kill a little kid. Yeah, because they, it's just too dangerous to leave him alive. They know that. Yeah. You know, because eventually there's gonna be people loyal to him. They're gonna say he this person is heir to the throne, which technically he would be if you follow that lineage. So we have to get rid of him now before it becomes a problem in the future. Yeah. All right. Let's get to some interesting facts about Alexander Great because there is some. I the first one you're That's gonna love. Did you see the fact that he was a redhead? Yeah. Was he really a redhead? I didn't see that. He one was anymore. a redhead. Alexander the Great was a not redhead. not in the movie. He wasn't. <laughs> yeah, Colin Farrell wasn't. But apparently, someone wrote in, in Greek in like first or second century AD. It was the first time that you started uh, having this 
narrative that his hair curled naturally and made it look red. Really? Uh, again, this is like a couple, like 300 years later. So like, eh. But I mean, that theory's been around for over 2,000 years. What else we got? Well, I, have, well, I have one of his legends. Have you heard of the, um, the Gordinian knot? It was this, um, basically it was this knot that they, the legend was that this knot, which was a real thing, was that whoever untied this knot would become the um, ruler of Asia. So, and um, historians agree that Alexander did actually approach it. And the knot was a real thing. It was basically, um, the knot was, it was tied to the yoke of a wagon. All right. And the wagon was uh, King Midas's father, um, Gordius. And an oracle stated that whoever could undo the knot would become ruler of Asia. So according to legend, Alexander's solution, he said, I can untie this knot. Then he pulls out his sword and he cuts it in half. Right. And that, that means, you know, now I yeah. untied it. There's other sort of signal he actually did untie himself. He actually was able to untie the knot. But whether they do say that he, no matter what, he did actually go to the knot, something happened there. And he fulfills a prophecy because he does wind up becoming the ruler of Asia. Hmm. So the prophecy was fulfilled. Right. Interesting. Right, when he goes to Asia and gets India. Yeah. No, I mean, India. He, he, I mean, he, in a period of like 13 years, he pretty much changed the face of Europe and Asia. I mean, he conquered like. Yeah, and, he's sp- and he's spreading all that. Greek, um, I guess, knowledge, Greek culture around the yep. world. He's spreading, he's spreading all those cultures. He's allowing these cultures to intermingle. He's allowing, he's setting up these trade networks, which wouldn't exist without him. Yeah. And all this exchange of knowledge, also exchange of things like disease too. Like all this stuff is getting transferred to all these people in that area, yep. this massive stretch of land. I mean, towards the end, he had 43,000 infantry and almost 6,000 cavalry. I mean, this is a big Which is army. huge, which is huge, especially by like ancient world standards. Like this is right. a big army. So um, another thing I saw is that he was afraid of cats. Did you see that? No, I did not see that. And he's not the only um, known conqueror to be afraid of cats. Uh, we know for, you know, just from history that uh Genghis Khan was afraid of cats. Uh, Julius Caesar was did not like cats. Adolf Hitler didn't like cats. And Napoleon didn't like cats. And Benito yeah. Mussolini did not like cats. And Alexander the Great did not like cats. No, he was I, a big fan of dogs and his horse. What was his horse's name again? I couldn't. I could never pronounce it. Yeah. Uh, something. B-U-C-E-P-H-A-L-U-S. Bucky Fala. Bucky Fala. Bucky Pala. Yeah, one of those. Well, yeah. He loved his horse. He, he, yeah, and when the horse died, he named this, the place where he died after him in India. Did you hear the story about the horse that the, he wanted the horse when he was a younger kid? And his yeah, father yeah. said, fine, you could have this horse if you could basically like break this horse. The horse was super wild. Wild, yeah. And apparently the, the reason why the horse was wild is because Alexander quickly realized, he's a little kid now, he's like 13, and he realizes that the horse was simply afraid of his shadow. His own shadow, um, so he kind of moved him to an area where the horse didn't see the shadow, and then he approached the horse and was able to get him. That's what the legend really goes. Then there's the whole fact about the uh, the his eyes that both his eyes were a different color. Uh, one was super blue, and the other one was super brown. I don't know if you saw that, but I saw that was. What, what makes the eyes super? Well, apparently that's uh, according to <laughs> historians. It was like the the blue was as blue as the sky, and yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the black was as dark as night. I mean, that's kind of how yeah, they that's, wrote that's, it. That all goes with the legend. Yeah, it all kind of yeah, goes with the, how uh, they wrote it. The legend of how he is. So that's what I mean by super. All right, don't mess with <laughs> me, man. That's what I meant by super. He's such a jerk. All right, <laughs> um, 
What else do we know about this guy that might be surprising to some? Um, I heard that he smelled really well. This is kind of yeah. Weird. I saw that too. Yeah, I saw that he smelled very well. He was buried in a golden uh, sarcophagus. Yep, which was Dennis Dorman in casket. But yeah, but why did he smell so bad? Yeah, I was. I don't I, I know. This was first written in like four hundred like, years after. His people death, actually but... wrote down how he smelled. Like that was yeah. kind of like. Apparently, they said that there was like this most agreeable odor that it, it, you know came out off of his skin, and that his breath and body all over was so fragrant and were like with, with perfume. It, it, I, what? First of all, this was written four hundred years after, so I think this was just like building up the whole. Yeah, it's more more maybe the legend and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, because I mean, like, who knows? You know, I'd be really curious. Like, I would love. I guess it's and better I, to be said that you like smell good, good or and bad, bad right? Yeah. But what gets me is, and I wish I like, we hear recordings of like Teddy Roosevelt speak and and these and these voices. But like, I would love to hear George Washington talk. Like, I would love to hear, you know, like Alexander the Great speak. Like, what do these people sound like? You know, it's yeah. we take so much for granted having the technology we do today. Be able but to like, record those things, yeah, for future right? generations. They're not going to so have cool. that type of stuff. Not at all. So cool. I mean, It'd be interesting. Yeah. I mean, right now, I would like to just we... go back in time, but like just watch, you know? Yeah. Well, like, and not get like killed. An or or yeah, like, be like, we would kill, actually, we would kill everyone with our diseases. We would bring back. So. Like, yeah. Well, no. We would start a play. Yeah. <laughs> well, it'd be like, I'm not saying like, you would sneeze like, and it would be over. It'd be like the watcher from like, from like the what if. Just watch what's going Ooh, on. It would be cool. But, I mean, this day and age, please, they're bringing everything back. Do you see that they are filming a movie with James Dean fully recreated with permission from his family? There's going to be a Vietnam War movie with James Dean, who died in 1950s, way before Vietnam was ever even an idea. Look what they did with Mandalorian. Yeah. Skywalker. Yeah, but, like, I think that's insane. But, like... That buddy, yeah, but Mark Hamill's still around. Like he was like, all right, cool, I'll let yeah, you do yeah, it. Yeah, like, these well, are people be that have been. Yeah, it's, it's gonna be the idea of a likeness, yeah. Right. So, and I don't think we know exactly what Alexander the Great. It's too long ago. We don't know what he looks like. Like George Washington, and no, we have death masks. Death masks. Yeah, death masks. They don't have. That. I mean, there's pictures. I mean, not pictures. There's paintings, right? There's yeah. statues. But again, these are all romanticized. These are made a lot of times, probably hundreds of years later. Yeah. Um, it's more. It's more of his legacy of what he did more than anything else. I guess yep. it's agreed upon certain features that he probably has, but no one's ever going to know for sure. And again, they don't even know where his grave is and where it is today. So it's just one of those things. Lost history, but it's probably like we were saying to close things up. He's uh, an individual that everybody's heard of. You know, Everyone's yep. heard of Alexander the Great. Even if you were watching, was I, I was watching with my son that new Scooby-Doo movie. They're talking about Alexander the Great and that. It's a whole plot of the movie. It's Alexander the Great. Dog. Uh, like Scoob. I so, fell asleep like on that thing. one. It was really good until I fell asleep. But that's not because I didn't like it. It's because I fall asleep really early these days. Well, that's what happens when you're... That's what happens when you get old. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and one of the last things that kind of... Went, like, did you see this? That he had a reputation as a big drinker? Yes, um, I imagine that. Yeah. But yeah, he was, his, it was pretty legendary. And that's why a lot of historians also argue that he's, there's a good chance maybe he died from liver failure. Alcohol that he was drinking. Nuts. Anyway, I mean, I think this was a nice introduction to uh, to good old Alexander the Great. It's good. Yeah, a little bit of background right. information, a little bit of his legacy. I do. Um, you know, it's how he conquered everything. But yeah. he's one of those. I think they would be nice if they made a movie about him again. But like, it's so hard to make 
I remember just watching that movie and they kind of said at the end too, like, oh, we'll say he died from this. We'll say he died from this. Because like, what does it matter anyway? You know, like yeah. it's just all these these stories get kind of shifted and changed and, you know, where's the real history in it? And although we have a lot of the real history, where does that end? Where does the myth begin? But, uh, you know, Crazy. he did conquer pretty much a known world at that time. And that's something that is always going to make his name in the history books. You're never by not 32. There. I'm trying to figure out what Learn I did by 32. It. What do we do by 32? We were married with kids by 32. Yeah, that's about it. That's it. That's what we did. <laughs> yeah, we didn't even have a podcast yet. <laughs> we didn't even have a po- That's right. We didn't Alexander conquered the world. And here we are. I think that's it. So to everybody listening, thank you so much for your constant support. We really do appreciate it. Do not forget to click the subscribe button. Please leave us a review if you are, um, you know, if you like this podcast. If you don't, then please yeah. do not leave us any reviews. Look for us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff. That's right. We're there. Uh, you can always find us at www.historyteacherstalkingpodcast.com. I guess that's it. We'll see you guys next week. Enjoy. Stay safe, everybody. I hope everyone enjoyed our podcast, and if you would like to email us, you can do so at historyteacherspodcast at gmail.com. Hello, my name is Peter Zablocki, and I'm a historian, author, and college professor. I'm thrilled to invite you to check out Evergreen Network's History Shorts podcast. Every Tuesday and Thursday, join me on a journey through time, exploring the little-known and hidden gems of history. In each bite-sized episode, I'll dive into my original research to bring you intriguing historical curiosities you've probably never heard of, uncovering the fascinating stories that have shaped our world, from forgotten figures to overlooked events. And the best part? I've condensed all this historical goodness into manageable chunks, perfect for your on-the-go lifestyle. Whether you're commuting to work or squeezing in a quick break, History Shorts fits into the little time you probably think you don't have. Subscribe now and never miss an episode of the History Shorts podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts.